This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this week's episode of Mother Folklore comes from our generous supporters on Patreon. New supporters like Kirona Brolchan, Kathleen J. Sullivan, Martin Karen, Ava, and Arthur Sullivan. We are absolutely so grateful, and you guys make it possible for us to keep making this show to the very high and factual standard which you come to expect. <laughs> Much love. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> know, thanks a million to all our Patreon subscribers. And if you want to know more about joining and see all of the many, many fringe benefits that are available, check out patreon.com forward slash Derek. Mm-hmm. This week's episode is all about poetry, and particularly the, the most popular poems in Ireland, where we're going to try and track down if these things, if best love poems are something that's measurable, even possible. But before we do that, we've got a little bit of listener mail. Listener mail, listener mail, who's on, <laughs> who's does, on the does, other li- end? Does, does listener mail have a theme song there, Derek? It, it should do. It should, should do. do. But they, Orthodox have a themes tune for their listener mail. So... Um, as they go, I go. Anyway, this first Aww. message is from well, Bell. Well, aren't unorthodox? Brilliant. They are actually very, very good podcast. So, <laughs> I got the email. You got the email. I got the email. You got the email. Earth Plus. Why 76P? All you ate. Uh, what is this? Did the quadratic formula explode? Our first message is from Johnny in Belgium. Hello, Mother Folklore friends. I enjoyed your conversation about baby names, uh, how they're chosen and why they're chosen. And I wanted to share um, my story of of how we chose or excluded some names for our child. Uh, Our daughter is half French and we live in Belgium, so we had to uh, think about her name in an international context as well. Uh, This meant that we we excluded um, some Irish names that relied on the aspiration of consonants that um, non-Irish people might not understand. So uh, excluding lovely names like like Quavon and Alva and Sive. But we had to exclude some other names for a very different reason. Um, two of my favourite Irish boys' names, Connor and Fionn. Unfortunately, in French, uh, Connor sounds very much like Connor, which means arsehole. Uh, so that one had to be struck off the list. And Fionn uh, to francophones uh, is spelled and sounds very much like fion, which also means arsehole and had to be again removed from our our list. Um, so yeah, that's just one thing to think about in other countries. Don't call your child arsehole by accident. Uh, we went with una for our daughter, which uh, maybe gets a bit of a laugh or a smile from the Spanish and the Italians, but apart from that is is not particularly offensive. 
fucking fantastic man ah go on to johnny delighted <laughs> you should check johnny actually was a guest on our our names episode last year in the 2020 it's excellent universe the kingdom of belgium it's an episode i'm very happy with check it out and now we have another message from chifford oran hello um it's misha tara hi i'm tara one of my favorite place names in irish purely because it's fun to say is Tipperdorn. Now I am biased because I am actually from Tipperary, Contro, but like you can't say that it's not fun, especially when you throw that shavu in if you add Kunde in front of it. Kunde Tipperdorn. Is that just not so fun to say? And then there's like a couple of fun names as well around North Tip, which is where I'm from. Ballyartella, Ballyani, Ballyartella, Kunda Huberdorn. Anyways, that's all, quite shallow. <laughs> There's no deep meaning behind why I like it or anything, but yeah. Oh, uh, was that was that ASMR, Derek? I, I, I'm, I'm calling it, I'm calling yeah, it ASMR. I, I love you. I love your voice. Thanks a million for the message. Um, Tiburdarn is fun to say. It's plenty fun to say. Um, there are places in Tiburdarn with fun names to say as well. Um, do you know that um, all the ambulances made in Ireland come from one town in Tipperary? You know, I could tell you're a father. I could tell you're a father because you're talking about the town of Nina, 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 Nina. Actually, the Nina is a is a, a funny, not not so much funny, but a little quirk of language because Oscailge it's Antainuk the market, but in the Tishal Ginnaduch that would be Balia on Einig, and Balia on Einig became on Einig became Nina became Nina. Um, so weirdly enough, the the English uh, version of it is adopted from the Tishal Ginnaduch, whereas in Irish we we call it on Tainuch in the Tishal Anamnuch. But uh, yeah, Tip has got fascinating place names. Um, like I know we've spoken on the podcast before about horse and jockey. And how Osgoelgate doesn't have a horse, uh, it's just mm-hmm. a jockey. So I don't know, the, the horse got lost in translation or added in translation. Um, but yeah, listen, thanks a million. Keep sending in your listener mails. Uh, we're always, always delighted to hear about your favourite place names, even if it's just ones that are fun to say. They roll off the tongue, like Tibrid Oren or Kunde Hibrid Oren. And now, the show. Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Motherfuck Lore, a podcast about words. Irish. Irish words. And words from Ireland. I am Dark O'Shea. And I'm Pader Aquivonic. And you're very welcome to today's episode. Uh, Pader, I was uh, just thinking, you know, Shock Nagelga and all that. I was wondering what the most popular work of literature or writing even, including song lyrics and so forth, in the Irish language is. I mean, it's Peg by Peg Sayers. Uh, judging by the amount of mentions it gets online, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I assume, you know, in the grand political scheme of things, that uh, all publicity is good publicity. Well, so that's... everybody talking about Peg is undoubtedly a good thing. I think so. I mean, like, it's like <laughs> I, I don't see, I don't see a possible downside there. It's it's funny how, and 
it's funny how it became this generational shibboleth and how she became a, um, a Twitter and a social media icon in her own way. That's reclamation. But look, um, yeah, I suppose, look, it comes down to how you would define popular. Are you talking about, like, best loved? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well then, unfortunately, it's not pegged by Peg Sayers, which is grand for me, to be honest with you, because it's not even Peg Sayers' best book. Never mm-hmm. mind, uh, you know, and that's it. She didn't really write write it. Like, her son Mike Filler wrote it, and uh, so it was ghostwritten for her. Um, but yeah, Peg has other works um, that are absolutely staggering, brilliant. Her collection of stories collected on Duke of is amazing. So I don't mind that. What is the most popular piece of Irish ooh, literature? Yeah, so I mean, fiction, like prose, poetry, well, song I mean, lyrics. We can consider them in different categories, because I think if you, in terms of uh, the biggest impact, I was thinking recently about the Paris Review. I was reminded of the Paris Review when I was listening to the Wind of Change podcast, because the Paris Review was supported financially and in other ways by the CIA early on as a... Uh, it, was, it was one of the projects they were talking about how, while not directly propaganda, there was an element, the, the, there, the circulation of certain th- support of texts was, uh, was facilitated by the CIA, including the publication of Dr. Zhivago. And, but the Paris Review was one of them as well. So I was reminded of the Paris Review, which I used to enjoy reading in college and so forth. And they had a brilliant article, one of the most popular ever, uh, about five, six years ago about The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Oh, yeah, and that has made all the difference. That has made all the difference, like, like a father. <laughs> <laughs> the road not taken is exactly. exactly like a father. Um, and, and, they, and one of the things in the article, which was written by, I'll, I'll give the author some credit, uh, David Orr, because he wrote, a, it's an extract from his book, and he, he compared to how the, how the road not taken is the most popular poem, in, probably in the English language, with, with, with the specific emphasis that the difference between its popularity and the next most popular poem is like the difference between, hang on, I'll say now, I use the exact words he uses. So according to Google, then, the road not taken was, as of mid-2012, at least four times as, as searched as the central text of the modernist era, The Wasteland, and at least 24 times as searched as the most, uh, most anthologized poem by Ezra Pound. By comparison, this is greater than the margin by which the term college football beats archery and water polo. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Frost, the Notre Dame of American poetry. Um, yeah, yeah, that, the, the is, that, yeah, that is a very, very good comparison. Like, you know, that is, that is honestly, that's the difference between like a thoroughbred Grand National winning horse and, um, you know, uh, glue, basically. Uh, that yeah. is, yeah, that's massive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not uh, all those people searching for the road not taken. By Robert Frost. I assume it's very popular at like uh, secondary school graduations. Yeah, it, it's this is the thing. It's 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 very it's Robert Robert Frost's oeuvre is um the he has a number of poems which are very popular in secondary school, particularly what what our American friends call middle school, what we call junior search. Mm. So uh, they're very popular that, and also graduation. There's a, there's this inspirational that that's not what the rest of his poems are like at all. Like his um his poem for the uh, for the Kennedy's inauguration was uh, nothing like that. He has long verses about overhearing arguments, uh, which are confessional and completely different. But road not taken as well as being widely referred to and possibly some of this is also there's a very popular book which is 
often uh, very popular in rehab groups and AA groups, The Road Less Travelled, which is a miss which is basically taken from the line probably although I don't think it's it's not a direct quote. I suppose you call it a misquote. Is it is it a misquote or is it just misapplied? It, it possible or it may, have, it may it could be a copyright thing. Maybe he just <laughs> maybe, I don't, like, <laughs> maybe M. It, Scott Peck decided. You know what? Maybe if I change this slightly, I can get away with it. The, like um, Frost suffers wildly for this. Frost has a lovely poem called "Mending Wall." Mm-hmm. Which is a really, really lovely poem, but there is uh, um, there's a, a saying in it: "Good fences make good neighbors," and that has been quoted ad nauseum by people who believe that closing your borders is a good thing. Yeah, but the actual passage in the poem is. Um, he only says, good fences make good neighbours. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbours? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out, and to whom I was like to give offence. So, I mean, basically, Frost is saying, this gobshite says, good fences make good neighbours. And generations and generations of gobshites have quoted only that particular phrase, not realising that, like, Frost's intention, that is, good fences make good neighbours. When you have cows... Not yeah. all the time, regardless of context, and yet people quote it all the time, regardless of context. I, Very I much. Poor Robert Frost, he must be spinning in his fucking grave. And you know who's spinning near him would be Sam Beckett, Samuel Beckett, who, when he said, fail again, fail better, I mean, I would say, worst word ho, the, the text from which it, that line is taken, is not a kind of an inspirational go get him kind of text. It's it's more miserable Beckett shite. I mean, no, Beckett isn't shite. Beckett's good, but this is the only people I know who've read this are people who've studied P who've done PhDs in Samuel Beckett. It's a very obscure text. What, it, what people are actually quoting is Richard Branson, who quoted yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and who decided, who said, yeah, no, go out, take risks, fail again, fail better. He may have heard of it, wherever he, wherever he heard it from, but that's actually, if you're using it in that context, you're actually quoting Richard Branson, you're not quoting Samuel Beckett, because Sam, the rest of that text is, is a, it's a fairly grim kind of monologue piece, which um, is is obscure because it's, you know, it, 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 it addresses a number of things, none of which are take, having the spunk to start your own business. <laughs> yeah, um, Beckett was not... Uh, <laughs> he was not writing entrepreneurship for dummies when he uh, when he wrote that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I think there's very um, it's very important to realize that like there's a difference between miserable shite and yep. shite. Some miserable shite is quite good. Yes. like a lot of what Beckett did. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as Oscar goes, yes, and and stuff that's been I don't know. Like, what what would you say is the most popular poem? I mean, popular. Yeah, well-known, well, well-loved, well-liked. Yeah. It's very hard to define. It is. So if, if we're going to use the metric that uh, David Orr used in the Against for the Road Not Taken, then how, which, which, which poem gets the most hits, you know? And, and there's an issue here, which I know um, this came up on Twitter this week, and Kevin Scannell pointed out that, you know, a lot of poems, the titles of certain poems have other meanings, such as Munkle, if, a very well-loved poem. It means my uncle. And uh, means my uncle. Translation work there, Derek. <laughs> yeah, yeah it does. and so a person might actually be referring to their uncle as opposed to referring to the poem uncle. Oh, and yeah, yeah, I get you. So, you. so basically, if it, so this is again the genius half man, half computer, Kevin Scannell, yeah. uh, who 
can can basically I don't know what he does. I think it's some sort of wizardry, but he can tell a machine to comb Twitter for certain phrases used in certain contexts, and it's difficult to ascertain the context of somebody saying Munkle because they could be they could be talking about that beloved poem. Um, but they could equally be talking about how their uncle isn't allowed around the family at Christmas anymore. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> yeah. similarly, there's a, there are a number of texts called Mishaera. Right, as opposed to the Pierce poem. As opposed to the Pierce poem, which is probably, uh, probably it, it maybe, it's his best known poem in Irish, because his poem, The Mother and the... Um, What's the other one? The uh, Pierce has written the Wayfarer. Fierce, the Wayfarer, yeah, a huge amount of poems. Um, but it's but I'd say his most best-known poem, Oscalga, is is a Majera. Um Interesting enough, it may be the best known, but is it the best loved? And I, I let me come back to that because I have a thing. Okay. I have a thing to refer to that that points that out. But yeah, you're right, Mishaera. There are plenty of reasons for saying Mishaera because Mishaera was also like a seminal documentary film about the history of the Irish Revolution and the foundation of the state and the Civil War, uh, which I was forced to see when I was in sixth class. Didn't appreciate it? Not at the time, no, to be honest with you, because it was a two-hour-long silent movie. Uh, (laughs) But, like, the fact that it had this just incredible uh, soundtrack uh, just just went over my head, you know? It was just a... um, it was like it was an unbelievable um, soundtrack done by Sean O'Reilly. Oh yeah, and O'Reilly, like the, the arguably the greatest Irish composer, certainly the greatest Irish composer of the modern age. Um, and, and like this just went out of my head because it's like there's no, there's fuck all shooting in this. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no nudity. I'm not interested in this. Yeah. Um, but I'm, nope. I'd, I don't, I'd like to watch it again, I think. I think I'd like to watch it again with fresh eyes and older eyes and more appreciative eyes. So, yeah, I could be tweeting about... Um, I could tweet about uh, Misha Eyre, the film, and it might be confused with Misha Eyre, the Patrick Pierce poem, understandably. Um, I think Ivan Bowen does a poem with the same name, which refers to those themes as well. So there's a number of uh, foes and me's. Yeah, so what what poem then So I think... There? I think in terms of a poem that is relatively uh, uh, si generis, and while it does have another meaning, you could be talking about Sticky Jam. You are almost certainly talking, when you talk about Sov Millish, you're almost certainly talking about yes. Sov Millish, the poem. Yes, yes. The Sov Millish er Vaskren on Durris, absolutely lovely poem. Um, and yes, because why else would you say Sweet Jam? If I was tweeting yeah. about jam, I'd just say sov. If I wanted to say uh, sov millish the poem, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be referring exclusively to Seamus O'Neill's poem, which mm. I think, was it was it in primary school? Certainly early secondary school. We had a junior search. junior search. And I know it's because uh, this came up in a conversation recently in that it's, again, it seems to have... Um, Peg and Sov Millish may have been ships in the night in that Sov Millish was, is better known to people who are, who are post-Peg in school. Sov Millish for the post-Peg generation, that's that's understandable, yeah. Fi Sov Millish er vasgrun an durus, ac vuch me an curry unam a dairig, mer swinig me er an law, a vech an vasgrun glan, agus an law bug er ira. There was sweet jam on the jam of the door, or the frame of the door, but I extinguished the anger that rose within me because I thought of the day that the the frame, the door frame would be clean and the small hand would be elsewhere. 
or missing or somewhere else. It's Area a is poem. a beautiful poem, and there's so many. It, it's, it, it, it works in so many levels, like the, the kind of the bilingual pun on the jam of the door, and and well, and, and, and love. Well, I think that's that's more me. That I think people tend to say door frame jam yeah. J and B. And Boscon and the and then you have got kind of on Boscon Glan, the kind of the little yeah. rhymes and oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. half rhymes and all that sort of. It goes back to the ancient Gaelic tradition of like there's alliteration, half rhymes, partial rhymes. Um, but I mean, it's serves versiacht as they say which most poetry is these days but um uh, so free verse no no structure to it but of course like old irish poems would have had very strict meters and uh, mm-hmm. uh you know they would have had a certain amount of uh, like like for example shakespeare's iambic pentameter they would have had a beat they would have had to have had internal rhymes two internal rhymes a bit of alliteration a half rhyme and then a rhyme a half rhyme and then a rhyme i mean it it was so deep and and you know they said that gaelic irish poets had to be both born and made because you could only be a Gaelic Irish poet if you came from a certain number of families, but you also had to go and spend seven years studying uh, with an olive in an old school, um, which we have now co-opted as the term for university, but a, a school of uh, a school of professors, a school of poets, um, and you'd learn all these different meters, and and of course, like none of this shit was written down, mm. <laughs> so they all had to do it uh, in their heads with yeah. these incredibly intricate rhyming schemes. Submillish is yeah, I. I think I, I think he could be onto something there. Um, so just to give, yeah. it's universe. It, it's I don't know anybody who doesn't like Sov Millish. This is the thing. It's if, and, and, and some people, some cynics, some wags even will say, "Oh, that's because that's fucking short." And you know it is. But some like of the best poems are short. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's so much depends on a, on a red wheelbarrow. Yeah, how many Glisten people are out there quoting Child Harold by Byron? I mean, fuck that. What is this, Byron? Fuck 15 cantos. Get fucked. Yeah, exactly. No. This thing is mad, now, bad, and, un- and dangerous Percy, to know. Percy Bysshe Shelley. There's a man who could write a nice, succinct poem. <laughs> yeah. Get, get to it. You know, give get us your poem it, and get out of here. <laughs> but there's... Um, the, the the fact is another poem that's very popular on the internet is the one this is this is just to say William Carlos Williams uh, about the peat about the peaches and the friend the icebox they oh, were so good sure that just got that that just became mimetic it, it was it became a meme I suppose and in its own way the same way that sort of Millish I say so one of the reasons I thought this might be I had a quick look it's it's a poem I like myself and it's um, it, it, it turns up just from scanning, some searching some Millish on Twitter. It comes up a few times a month compared to other poems you might think of that, that maybe that, like, um, Gavin, maybe from Cattle and Mud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gavin is a, is a good one. Um, actually, but, I remember being at the public, the public, the public in a Electric Picnic and there was a band performing and uh, somebody just roared out from the audience, like, you know, Aberdon. So, so you say a poem and um, Matthew Acosta the, the piper just gave us Gavin top of his head and of course mm. a large proportion of the crowd were leaving cert students or recent leaving cert students uh, from Collage Down and Collage Gone. so they, they loved it they went, I've never seen the crowd go that wild for a poem um, but yeah yeah good, good poem so, 
Gavin's a great poem, but then what I'd say is when I did a little search for Submelish, it's been it gets mentioned in in articles and stuff, particularly articles about parenting. You'll see, and in, in the Independent, in the Examiner, in the Irish Times, Roshan Ingle has made a reference to it. Paul Howard, when he's doing his list of life lessons every every year, and when he, and it's his birthday, he he always includes the the lyric, the, the words of Submelish, and he's done done readings of it for Poetry Week. He's a guy. Paul Howard had a very bad experience in at the Gale Tuck, which he sometimes talked about, which he wasn't happy about. He was born in England and came and returned to Ireland in his, as, as, an, as a child. And I think he was sent home very early on uh, at Irish College once. And it's, it's something that it, that's, I, I believe that he's, it's something he's still not delighted about. But the, he, he talked about this Irish, uh, actually, even in, in spite of those experiences, loving that Irish poem. So Millish. <laughs> it's a lovely um, poem. It's a lovely yes, poem. And, it and, sure and, is. And, like, the meaning of it is beautiful. And, and like, you know, as a parent, as a parent, as a parent, and normally nothing good follows that, uh, that clause, but as a parent, um, I, it, it's, it speaks to me on another level uh, mm. now. So, if um, you wanted to have a look at the most liked, the most well-liked poems in Ireland, uh, yeah. the most well-liked Irish language poems in Ireland, Thankfully, somebody else has done the legwork. Um, and oh. yeah, the readers of the Irish Times, who, as we all know, are, um, you know, good Christians to a man. Uh, <laughs> solid, solid skins, uh, the, uh, the, the Irish Times heads. They chose Ireland's 100 favourite poems. And the Irish language is, it's not badly represented, to be fair. It mm. is a very decent set of uh, of poems um, and the thing about it is what I mentioned earlier on you said Misha Era his Park uh, MacPirish's best known Irish poem it's mm-hmm. not his best loved Irish poem because it only mm-hmm. comes in on the list at like tied for uh, 80th uh, so mm-hmm. it's way down the list because mm-hmm. Like there's 20 poems or 19 poems tied for 80th place. And then there's all legendary obstacles by John Montague in last place, dead last place, but still in the top 100. But mm-hmm. Misha Era is not as popular as uh, Banschleva Equina Awak, oh. um, which is not maybe not as well known. Uh, so like a, a mountain woman, a, a woman of the mountain keens her son. Uh, Banschleva Equina Awak. Um, so I mean, it's a look. It's a it's a, it's it's a lovely poem, but I mean, I don't know what the, Pierce had this thing right mm-hmm. that, that he would do, where he would like take poems and songs and stuff that were hundreds of years old, and yeah. he would just just update them. Like like Pierce is known to all and sundry as the writer of Oroshe de Hawalia. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, and, and Pierce did write verses to make that about Ireland's struggle for freedom in 1916, leading ultimately up to his death. And it was quite prophetic in that. Like, I remember my fifth class teacher telling me about when Pierce was writing this, like, there's a, um, there's a, a lyric in the final verse is like, a, If I don't live after it, but for a week. And her hundred heroes or thousand heroes um, getting rid of the, the foreigner, getting rid of the foreign tyrant. Uh, there were about a thousand people in the GPO and Pierce was, I don't know, but Alton, Minter Alton said it, uh, Pierce was executed a week after. The, the Easter Rising, so mm. prophetic, spooky. Uh, but Oroshid of Ahawalya is much older and was originally written about Bonnie Prince Charlie, um, the, the, the Jacobite pretender uh, who uh, lived 
almost his entire life in France, but was seen as a sort of a a, a spiritual liege, a figurehead for um, Gaelic and Irish and Scottish independence independence under a king. I'm not really sure how that flies. But it's, I mean, Macgillamar was about him and so was the original Oroche de Val, while you? So, And Rise and Pierce. Fall of Charlie was used in a Fianna Fáil election campaign, wasn't it? I'll leave that uh, I'll leave the politics out of this and <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, don't get me started on that Ortolan eating. Uh. Okay. Well, he, he, he loved a good poem too. This is What Would You Do If? The podcast to answer all of your What Would You Do If? questions. It's Callum and Jess here, and every week we look at how we'd handle different situations. Before finding out what you should do if you're in them. So far we've looked at... What would you do if you saw someone stealing? A bear attacked you. The baby started choking. You were stuck in the lift. You can hear those episodes and loads more on headstuffpodcast.com with a new one every Monday. Yeah, Sylvie Miller is also featured in The Guardian and by her own pal Shockproof Beats himself. Ah, Seamus. Seamus, the lad. Seamus, Seamus, as we'll have to call him now. I still think, I still think Seamus has um, never uh, done anything more important than when he got Harrods to print Arsmuck on a personalised <laughs> jar of Nutella. <laughs> I think that was just I mean, he should have retired there and then mm-hmm. uh, no he's a legend I love his column in the Guardian particularly yeah, about raising a raising an Irish child in London it's it's really really interesting uh, but he mentioned Submitters did he? he did indeed he wrote he mentioned in an article about parenting he mentioned that there's an Ar- a poem in Ireland called Submillish which is uh, mo- and he suggested that it's mostly used for to guilt children to not emigrate into London <laughs> But um, he's, a he has a, he has a book work. coming out this year, uh, which oh. I can't I can't wait to see James Neil. So um, look, Submilish, yes. Uh, yeah. where, where do we go there? We, oh yeah, Ban Shlave, Queen at a Walk. The other ones that made it into the top one hundred favorite poems uh, yeah. are uh, On Tarak Here by Martin O'Diron. Oh, Ihan um, Nulug Naman by Sean O'Riordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Misha Era, as we mentioned, by Parik McPirish. On Bunan Bui by Cahal Bui McGillahunna. Um So, I mean, like th- these are classics. Um, uh, Pangor Bon, uh, Uther Anahad, anonymous, uh, anonymous author, anonymous, inanimate, anonymous author, one of the earliest surviving works we have, uh, I think written into the margins of an old text, a poem about a monk and his cat, and actually really, really nice. Kilkash by Aegon O'Rahela. And Kilkosh was about the death of Margaret McGuinness, um, the Viscountess Ivy, who died in 1744. Kilkosh is well known because it's a very popular song that primary school children learn. Um, do, do you know it? It's like, Cuddy Enimid, Faster Gun, Aimid. Bum, 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 bum. So, beautiful, beautiful song. A Kadiyanim went fast, they gone aimed. Tadera Nagilcha Erlor, Neil Trock, the Kilkash, nor a Tyluk. It's the one for a cling of bra. It's a great rhythm, wonderful, wonderful words. It's just yeah. beautiful. There's also a Court on Vianihe by oh, yes. uh, Brian Merriman. Um, and anybody who says that they they've read Kurtavani, uh, well, they may not be lying, but on balance they could be uh, they could be spoofing you because it's really long. It's like yes. Byronic in its length. Misha Raftery and Phila um, by uh, Anthony O'Raftery about the blind poet, 
And again, this one is really, really well known because people would have would have learned this uh, in school for generations. Misheraftri on Phila, Londokus is Graw, Lesula Gonsulus, Lacunus Gonchraw. Just a really evocative poem. One of the lads in one of the lads in Imla said it's one of the first examples of the rap trope. My name is X, and I'm here to say. Oh yes, well done, Lee. That mm-hmm. is, yes, Misha Raftery and Filler. Yeah, okay. So it's uh, he's bigging up himself, uh, mm-hmm. although it's a bit it's a bit pathetic. It's a bit more like Morrissey, like this charming man. It's very it's very. Uh, he's he's not moving in with his aunt and his uncle in Bel Air. No, he's not. No, um, uh, nor does he have a hotel, motel, holiday in a Lincoln Continental and two brand new Cadillacs. Um, cool and tea again by uh, Sean O O'Reardine. Uh, and this is just a wonderful one. I love Kulanti. Tatir Nanog, Er Kulanti, Tiralan Tri Nikela, Lucht Kerachus, Ekshulnishli, Gon Brogor Huno Lena, Gon Berla Kuno Gaelge. Just this brilliant, like that there's a little world at the bottom of your garden. And hmm. last but by no means least, in fact, in fact, most, tied for 26th on the list, the most beloved poem in the Irish language, according to the readers of the Irish Times in 1999. Any, hmm. any guesses? The best love song ever written in these islands. Is it Queenie Artillery? It is. It's Queenie Artillery, as uh, we used to call it in college. Yeah, Queenie Artillery is uh, the the most favouritest, uh, most beloved um, Irish language poem. Now, this is all from 1999. So it's the pre-Twitter mm-hmm. days, so yeah. you know we can't we can't use an algorithm to ascertain this. But um, you know the Irish Times did the hard work, so we don't have to. Sure, sure. Back in 1999, left wing people like the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that, Brian. Uh, the left wing was just—it was just this this trope that has affected uh, American television. Sorkinism, like that. If you have two men walking and talking quickly, then that means they're intelligent <laughs> and not bumping into things. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, at least they're demonstrating multitasking. Um, yeah, what's your favorite Irish language poem? Before, I mean, for me, I think about the song lyrics, which uh, no, for me, I, I suppose it's it, the one I refer to most in my life, and maybe I'll have different poems to refer to when the kids are older. But right now, it's of Melish. Uh, mine didn't make the uh, the the top one hundred, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Searsha, Searsha by Sean O'Riordan, uh, my favorite Irish language poem, and O'Riordan has like three other ones in the in the or two or three other ones in the top one hundred most favoriteest. Um, it's most favourite. I'm saying most favouritist because I mm. am a ham. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mind didn't make it, but I, I love I love that one. And um, Maureen Javara as well. I like Maureen Javara, the poem. Oh right. I don't know that one. Do I know it, that one? It was, that the, one? it was in the leaving, but it was in the leaving once upon a time. You and I did our leavings at different times, I'm yeah. afraid. It was uh, well, <laughs> the only man in the world who makes me feel young. Well, so here I am. Take that. So that's yeah, but it's 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 an old it's an old love poem, and mm-hmm. it's a oh, I'm so almost sort of unrequited love, which a you know, but them, a lot yeah. of them were because yeah, back in those days, yeah, it was. A, but anyway, that, that's a, so, so. But then when you think about it, this was Irish song lyrics. Oh yeah, no, sorry. Just before we go on to Irish song lyrics, this idea of like poems about unrequited love. Um, mm-hmm. Those are really the earliest examples, well, with the exception of the likes of Pangor Bon, which survived many, many centuries. But these medieval Irish poems about unrequited love, a lot of them are actually examples of personal writing. That this was basically, somebody was a professional poet, but nobody's going to pay you to write about Maureen Devara. Like, why would anybody pay you to write about Maureen Devara? 
uh, you know, I want to pay you to write about what a great king I am, what a fantastic chieftain I am, how good I am to, to my people, how generous I am with my gifts and how brilliant the feasts I throw are. And nobody's going to pay you to. I want to pay you to satirize my enemies and praise me. I don't want to hear about your, your girlfriend or the woman you wish was your girlfriend. So the ones that we have, the ones that have survived, we're incredibly lucky to have them because there was literally no reason for these to be recorded unless they were particularly beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, when poetry became less a trade and more an art, uh, unfortunately, because I still would like to see artists and poets, um, you know, fiscally and financially rewarded uh, better than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, when, when when it became more like a personalised art, then you started to get a lot more poems about courtly love and, and requ- unrequited love surviving. Um, yeah, sorry, that's just an aside when you mentioned Maureen de Barra, but there's also like the she and Colleen Alling and Doug McGraw, the, um, there's Ellen de Gochni Cullinan, you know, yeah, there's loads of them. Yeah, many of those. But uh, yeah, initially, poems would have been. I remember in college we had to learn a poem called uh, "Avrini Ruark Morel Anon," which was uh, about uh, a king. Basically, yeah. the poet would have to pretend to be the land, and the land was a woman, and the king was a man, and the land would be saying, "Oh, what a brilliant, sexy king you are! Uh, I want you to do me, baby." Basically, <laughs> uh, which was uh, land. challenging enough, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, song lyrics. So, yeah, but song lyrics. Sorry, this, this came up before when we when we had Pauline Pauline Keji in, and we were talking about you know so, so, uh, beloved song lyrics and how they translate funnily into English. But certain, I suppose, if you were going to say what, what's an Irish language first, a, a piece of lyric that's very well known or well loved or referred to, like dropped in a reference in in, in articles or conversations. <sighs> Like people like people think like I think Puckerbuilla is very pop, very it's fun to sing and maybe it's fun to witness. I think it was the so funnily enough, um, Cork has of course done a lot for the Irish language and we must give Cork its props and how great Cork is, real capital, etc. etc. Um, but what links these two songs, um, the Langer and Puckerbuilla? Is there a change of narrator halfway through? No, it's not even that deep. They were both written by Cork people, and they were both number one Irish hits that contained at least one full verse in Irish. Oh. Uh, and there was nothing in between the two of them that topped the charts. Ask Um Would you believe that? All of the Enya songs, all of the Clannad songs, none of them had the success of the Langer, of charting, in the, the, uh, charting at number one in the singles chart. That's extraordinary. Cause, I mean, um, God, yeah. No, I, I was just, I, I was thinking about yeah, actually, Irish language number ones, and because like, a lot of Clannad's actual hits are are in the English language. They have, they have some sung songs. They have some songs on Irish, and then you obviously he's an Irish speaker. But the the actual hits, like the Robin the Hooded Man and Sail Away and Yoko Flow and Sail Away, that's all. Our in English flow is in is in is in the English. Yeah, technically. Yeah. One of the best. One of the, one of the best uh, new uh, Twitter accounts on the Twitter is Enya Comments. Uh, there's a, a young one is just posting comments under Enya videos on YouTube, and it is incredible. That's amazing. 
It's just That's brilliant. Amazing. Everyone should follow it. I highly recommend How it. How did I not know about this? How did I not know about this? I have to find this. Yeah, Enya Collins, absolutely brilliant. Um, that's that's what that's what it is on Twitter. But well, we'll stick the link in the show notes anyway because I cannot heartily recommend it heartily enough. Oh my God! Look at this. Coronavirus is a blessing for students like us. We get to spend time with our books, nature, and family. <laughs> Hello from Belarus. <laughs> LA Story is one of my favorite comedies. Enya music really is perfect here. Oh, this is amazing. There's one about uh, um, oh. uh, a girl saying, I love this song because when, when, when I was in school and I had cramps, I was sent to the nurse's office and I had a hot water bottle and she put Enya on. <laughs> if there is a more perfect celebrity to bring out Ireland's official airline, Aer Lingus, that one should be Enya. And, uh, oh, this is, oh my, oh my God. This it's a treasure chest. The Forge of the Angels is reminiscent of the sound of the Celts era. Astra et Luna reminds me of Wild Child, and the Ioxian Gates takes me to Ebude. It's all Enya, but with a new twist. How I'm going to love this album, heart emoji. Oh, I love this account. Yeah. I love, thank you, Darren, uh, for this service. Uh, absolutely, and Enya is, is interesting in that she's maybe not as, uh, she's not as explicitly outspoken as certain um, famous Irish uh, pop stars but oh, she's uh, a fucking recluse Derek and fair play to her more power yeah. to her like and, but on the one or two occasions she has spoken out she has spoken with great truth to power I, I'm unaware of these uh, situations what did she did she come out um, on the price of Freddo's yet no, it was, it was when, the, when the Fugees sampled um, one of her songs in Ready or Not, and there was, a, there was a moral panic because there was about people were terrified of scary rap music. And she was like, well, you know what, like, once you get all the business parts settled, I'm actually cool with them because I think I, I love the, the support for refugees and the, that they do. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Fair play. Well done, Enya. But I do want you to break your silence on the price of Freddo's. It's a scandal. <laughs> we um, won't. Int- until will Enya continue to remain silent on the price of Freddo's? Another day, and like another day, another day of silence. <laughs> it's just not good enough. Um, yeah. So Irish language charting artists like there, there are loads. Like I mean, Planksty. Um, mm. Christy Moore, obviously, who was who was in Planksty, um, and and like I think everybody who was in Planksty has had a decent chart hit with some form of an Irish language song. Like my my, my dad has done a couple of albums that included some Irish language uh, songs because mm-hmm. he used to be with a band called uh, General Humbert. The lead singer was a young one called Mary Black. She was all right, like she's okay. Um, no, she, she obviously, the Mary Black, went on the to do Mary amazing Black. things. The, one of the greatest singers Ireland has ever produced. And their two albums, General Humbert and General Humbert 2, because they weren't great at thinking up album, album names, to be to be fair, um, they were on Gwail Lynn's uh, record uh, label. Oh. And uh, the thing about Gwail Lynn's record label is when you did an album with Gwail Lynn, more than 50% of the songs with lyrics had to be as Gwail and it was a fantastic idea because it meant that they um, they could preserve songs. And there were like so many traditional songs. It was all trad and ballads. There was very little new uh, new writing on the Gwailin record label. So it meant that like you ended up getting the, uh, you know, this uh, this amazing lyricist, this amazing singer, um, Mary Black, singing songs like Orkna Cain Vicantia and... Um, Einach uh, Valla and uh, um, on the second album then I think it was um, Mahila Mar um, which is just 
absolutely beautiful. And um, Aaron Feterbalia. Aaron Feterbalia is just a beautiful song. But I mean, if there wasn't the requirement to have these Aaron Gaelge on the albums, um, they wouldn't have done them. Because mm-hmm. the appetite was for ballads that, that people could sing along to in the pubs. Um, and they did those as well. Like the lovely songs like Crazy Man Michael and um, St. Helena. Um, if you get a chance, listen to Mary Black's with General Humbert, their version of St. Helena. It's a song about Napoleon's exile to the Isle of St. Helena after the Battle of Waterloo. And mm-hmm. if you ever wanted to hear an old traditional song using a French horn, I, I think it's just, it's absolutely stunning. It's, it's really, We don't get really enough lovely. French horn these we days. We do not get enough French horn these days. <laughs> justice for the French horn. <laughs> where, where, where? When will you finally give justice to the French horn? Yeah, record yeah. Bre- break song, your silence. <laughs> record a song about the price of Freddo's using a French horn. Mm-hmm. The people demand it. That's, that's right. And I'm just thinking, I was just thinking there about the, the, there was, um, they used to, Ireland did enter a couple of songs, Oscale go to the Eurovision in the 70s when we weren't good. There was a uh, couple, the, I know we did one. There's a song called Bula Bus. Bula, Bula, Bula Bus. We used oh, to enjoy Christ. that. It was all, what? Oh, Christ, I said. No, I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been, you would have, you would have been only small. What year was that? I think it was in the 70s. Because it was in black and white on the telly. Uh, well, I was not only small in the seventies. I was not. I was not even a, a, a twinkle in my daddy's eye, um, mm. or a pain in my mammy's arse at that stage. Uh, no, there was Sandy Jones with Kyo and Graw mm. in nineteen seventy-two. Okay, and that is it. Um, huh. That that is it. So uh, what the hell is this bit of? I have no idea, man. I think you might have had a maybe it was dream. maybe isn't a song for Ireland. Maybe that's maybe, what it was because there was a documentary on on that. But that, that was that was a thing because and up until this was um, up during the nineties. Remember, a lot of the Scandinavian countries were um, there, there was in in the Eurovision they had to enter in their own languages, but we, we were entering in, in English at the time, and they were thought that was during Ireland's period of. Alleged competitive advantage, dominance. domination, Absolute domination. Dominance. There were there were there were two things that really ruined Ireland's chances in the Eurovision. It was uh, letting the pesky people have a say. Mm-hmm. Putting it out to public vote was uh, a shocking decision for um, the good burgers of Ireland, um, because you know people they want they want songs that they can dance to and they want songs that they can sing along with their friends. They don't want well crafted pieces of musical poetry mm-hmm. like we were used to providing. And then yeah. the other thing was, of course, this idea that you had to you had to enter a song in one of the official languages of the state. So what that meant was we could enter in Irish or English, Malta could enter in Maltese or English, Cyprus could enter in Greek or Turkish or English, and the UK could enter it in English, English, Scots, Gaelic or Welsh. Actually, I think only English. I think I don't think they had official status at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, regardless, uh, it meant that we did have an advantage because of the Anglo-centric nature of the pop music market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. And when they took that away from us, I mean, we were rewarded with some absolute bops. Let's be fair, Satellite by Lena is an absolutely cracking song. It's brilliant. Well-deserved to win it when, when it and, did. And Euphoria as well, the David Guetta song. Oh, bop. Euphoria. Yeah, absolutely. Classic. And there was that the Austrian, um, the Austrian one, was it the gig? That, that sounds like a Bond tune. It was excellent. Oh, that was really good. Hard Rock Hallelujah by Lordy for Finland. It has was... gotten better since they kicked us out. 
of course. Or, well, they never keep us out. We just got shit. Yeah, no, but they just, since they pushed us to the back of the queue. Yeah, and I, I think, to be honest with you, we didn't help uh, ourselves, like, because uh, we went from, like, 1996 was the last time we won it, right? Yeah. The Voice. But a lot of people forget that we finished second the following year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Roberts did and then it really it really started to go down because we went to public vote on the Euro song then uh, yeah. a song for Ireland and uh, I mean it, I think the absolute low point uh, the absolute low point is not uh, sending dust on the turkey the absolute low point is not sending Jedward two years in a row the absolute low point is Dervish they can't stop the spring written by John Waters so here, uh, it seems like it was. A fun, it seemed like a good bad. idea at the time because they thought this is a song about the uh, revolution, the, the Velvet Revolution in, in in the Czech Republic, and they thought maybe this will resonate with East European audiences who traditionally don't vote for Ireland much. But like, you but they know, didn't care. They I wanted a bop. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Like the one thing that people tended to miss in this was like, have you considered writing a really good song that people like to dance to? And, uh, to be honest with you, I think Lipstick by Jedward was uh was class it's an it's an absolutely smashing track mm. and not just because you can set dance to it yeah because it's, it's in the right time but yeah that's that's, that's <laughs> that, that's good to know a bit of set dancing to lipstick but i think oh, the, the no, being... seriously, i've done it i've done it down in Oris Conan in clondalkin there's a, a dance teacher down there jim and he's uh he's developed a set dance to lipstick by jedward um or i think he had the... done last time mm. i set danced which is many years ago this decade we're going to be overtaken by Sweden and we won't be the Eurovision champions anymore and in fairness we, ha- we haven't no. won this we haven't won this century uh, I don't think we've even come in the top 10 this century uh, we've been booted out several times we have come in the top 10 this oh, century no really yes we have yes we get have down. Lipstick by Jedward 8th okay. place in fairness Jedward don't get the respect that they're, they're due they are national treasures mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you this but I used to work with Jedward's mammy I think you did we taught, mention yeah, this. We taught in the same school, um, and uh, she passed away recently. Um, lovely woman, um, but I was teaching with her the year Jedward were on um, Pop Pop Factor, uh, Pop Idol, X Factor. I don't know what one they were on, mm-hmm. but the year they were on their reality uh, talent contest show, uh, I was teaching, and yeah, I, it's uh, it was tough at times uh, for. for for their mammy um, because you know they were getting an awful lot of abuse but look they're absolutely they've come good they're absolutely brilliant they're legends who would have thought in the year of our lord 2021 that Jedward would be the ones out there speaking truth to power while Enya maintains her silence on the price of Freddo's it's a shocking thing it's I, I did 10 years ago I just remember when when um, I even Nathan went went when all that was happening, just no, I, we didn't expect to hear much from Jadward ever again. And yet, I think Tara Reid has been a positive influence on their lives. And, <laughs> and they are out there showing solidarity with um, with with everyone, with everyone mm-hmm. who needs it. They're lovely. I love Jadward. They're absolute national treasures. And so is Enya, let's be fair. Indeed. So before we wrap up, I mean, I'm just thinking, sort of, there wasn't, I mean, it, Pop music or scale, there's nothing, nothing else is at the charts, is it? Apart from the Langer and Pucker Bola, a version no, nothing, of Pucker Bola. Nothing, num- nothing hit number one. Nothing hit number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, to be fair, like chart music, pop music, it's very, it's very fickle. 
Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And and you have to kind of understand like like there there there's sometimes like a bit of uh, a bit of this move to sort of say like why can't you why can't you just do pop songs? Oscar uh, get away from this old diddly eye trad stuff. It's like. Don't, don't like cultural cringe about the, the the traditional music is just as bad as cultural cringe about the language. Like just just embrace that aspect of our culture as well. Shanos trad, it's fine. Pop music, sure, brilliant. And a big big shout out to the likes of Shulin and T.G. Lurgan, the 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 summer college students in Colosh de Lurgan, uh, in the Gaeltacht in Connemara, um, who have just been absolutely amazing at taking pop songs that are already popular, giving them a bit of Gaelge and just putting together these these high quality um these 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 high quality videos. And it is worth noting that uh Frank McEvely, the beloved sound man of um Kalosh de Lurgan, um passed away recently. Um, so he obviously had such a huge hand in all of those amazing videos that we've seen and, uh, you know, in helping the band shul in, find their feet as well. Um, so as we say, er yeshtay gareva anam delish. Mm. Definitely sorely missed. And uh, perhaps just uh, no better way to pay tribute is by, by ending with a piece from the Klosh Lurgan. Yeah. Frank Nafuima. Slam. Slam. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have a favourite Irish poem or Irish lyric, let us know. You can send us a voice message on the WhatsApp number in our show notes. Motherfucklore is a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network and comes out every Friday. Thanks, as always, to Brian for producing and to Kirsten Shield for the amazing art. And thanks, thanks, Gravmilamaga, from the bottom of our hearts to all of our patrons on patreon.com forward slash Derek. If you want to find out more about subscribing and all of the many benefits involved, uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash Derek. If you were a Patreon already, you will have seen the video AMA episode we released this week. Uh, that's when we'll be having more of those, for example, coming up soon. We record the Motherfucker podcast on remotely.fm. If you we're interested in recording your own podcast, we recommend that particular app. Until the next time, mind yourselves, Aslan.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I have to run. I've got a meeting in okay. four minutes. Rock and roll.